we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Gentlemen, you are listening to the one, the only Animal Farm radio show broadcasting on the We the People radio network. The date today is August the 21st, 2008. My name is Benjamin Miller, and I'm chilling here with my fellow NIST reports, skeptics, Tony Pax. <laughs> Hello, Ben. And Pyeth on the soundboard. Hello. We've, as always, got another world-class broadcast for everyone tonight. We've got Jason Burmis a.k.a. Burmy, on the show tonight <laughs> to talk about his newest film, Fabled Enemies. We'll be wrapping with him in the second hour, but in the first hour, never fear, we will be going over the latest news, headlines, as well as your phone calls and that classic Animal Farm analysis. Straight ahead, you are on the farm. As Jefferson said, dissension's the greatest form of patriotism. You will get good government when you pay attention and hold their feet to the fire. If you don't do that, you will get bad government. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American, fight for what's right. But goody, yeah. <laughs> oh, only a couple people know what that is. Come huh? on, I bet you most of our listeners know that tune. Come on, I was, Rob Revere knows what that is. <laughs> Rob Revere knows all about that. That is just a uh, just a great song, and we we had to play it for you guys tonight. And we're glad you're joining us. Thank you for joining the Animal Farm Radio Show. Now, I have to talk about the uh, intro, which. The network got right. They got right. They oh did it. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. You failed miserably. Yeah, well, for, for you know, first time in a long time, they got their intro right. So now they're out of seven games. They're two for seven. Two for I seven. I am three for seven. I'm falling behind again now, and you and Pius Ben are one. tied one for seven. That's pitiful. So, okay. Well, you know what? At least they got it right. May, place your bets, ladies and gentlemen. Place your bets. Yeah. <laughs> we're, off to the right, <laughs> we're off to the right start, which is kind of weird. I'm almost, I'm almost thrown off by Me it. Me too. Me too. Uh, but I, I'm not going to question anything at this point. That was weird. At, at least from the network standpoint. So we'll start right off with the first set of ridiculous articles. Pyeth, drumroll. If you could initiate that. Uh, yeah. Kind of, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> invisibility cloak on the horizon, scientists say. Uh, for all you Harry Potter haters, sorry, but I had to bring this one up. Scientists say there are a step closer to developing materials that will render people and other objects invisible. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, researchers oh, say that they can redirect the light around 3D objects using metamaterials, artificially engineered structures created at nanoscale that contain optical properties not found na- in nature, according to the Associated Press report. People see objects as a result of light reflecting uh, or scattering off of them. This new mixture of materials has negative refractive properties that keep light from being absorbed or reflected by the object, allowing only the light from behind the object to be seen. Essentially, the material bends. It certainly is. The material bends visible light in a way that eliminates the creation of reflections or shadows in much the way water flows around a stone. Whoa. So, yeah, the findings to be released later this week in Nature and Science were made by scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, led by Zing Zhang, or I hopefully pronounced that right. The research, which was funded in part by the U.S. Army Research Office and the National Science Foundation's Nanoscale Science and Engineering Center, could have broad applications, including for... The military. Nice. Of course. Why? Of course. Well, we did talk about the invisible tank a uh, long time ago, Ben. Yes. It seems like maybe. One of our first shows ever when we were broadcasting on the Revere Radio Network. Was that on Revere? I believe so, yeah. yeah. And we talked about right. the invisible tank um, and how this was Holy actually. Thing, thing actually existed. Uh, yeah. Just another one of those things that most people in the average everyday world don't know you about. You'd be staring uh, down the barrel of the tank gun and not even know. You wouldn't even know. Good God. Just well, incredible. That is correct. That's right. Yeah, this is out of news.cnet.com if you want to check it out. It's Invisibility Cloak on the Horizon, if you so care. And I'll read one more. Then, Ben, I want to see what you got for today because we, we always start out with the nutty and the crazy. But uh, this one just couldn't be ignored, and I, I didn't want to put it in the police state news, which, of course, we have plenty of. But man jailed after taking photo of police van ignoring wrong way sign. This is brilliance. Run that by me again. I don't understand. It just goes to ridiculous levels. A British man was jailed for five hours after he photographed a cop reversing the wrong way up a one-way street. (laughs) (laughs) This is brilliant. Uh, On the scale of Jimmy Justice. That's what I was thinking. Like, think about what Jimmy Justice would do. We need, like, a British Jimmy Justice. Like, we do. We, do, we definitely need one, right? I am Jimmy Justice. Yeah, exactly. After Andrew, you are to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Certainly. After Andrew Carter snapped the cop van, Officer Aquil Farouk leaped out, hit the camera to the ground, handcuffed him, and bundled him in the back of his vehicle. Holy crap! The plumber. <laughs> Holy I mean, crap! This is like serious, uh, you know, uh, black suburban uh, type crazy bag story. Bag over the head, huh? Yeah, bag wow. over the head, bringing it to a, a camp. The plumber, age 44, was arrested for supposedly being drunk, resisting, <laughs> resisting arrest, and assaulting the officer with the camera. <laughs> so like, we're at the point now. And, and this your happened. camera hit my fist. That's what I'm saying. What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, I broke my fist on your damn camera. I was assaulted. Uh, that's literally where we're at when it comes to police. Yep, a boob. And uh, when we come to when it comes to police and let me say the word civilian interaction, Ben. Let me play the uh, NWO role. It's police and civilian interaction. We're literally talking about police officers beating someone, and then if they get hurt, it's the uh, cop who's uh, being assaulted. So, uh, what are you gonna do? Bite me with your gold tooth? <laughs> I know. I was waiting for that. I love that clip. Uh, he continuing on here. He was kept in cells before finally being released on police bail at midnight. Carter of Bedminster, or Bedminster, pardon me, Bristol, said, I was nearly knocked down there once, so when the police van went the wrong way, I sort of said, hey, mate, no entry, but he just shouted out the window, expletive off. This is police business. Expletive off. Yeah, I think, okay. we, I think we could fill in that blank. We don't yeah. need a Mad Libs book for that. It was very frightening. All I had was one photograph of these police officers doing something illegal, but I was the one who ended up being arrested. Farouk and an unmanned WPC said... They were at the fish and chip shop to review CCTV footage of another incident. 
I guess that's explaining why they were going the wrong way. A week later, Bachelor Carter spent another five hours at the police station with his solicitor. So he was never right. charged, um, but did complain of wrongful arrest, and Farouk apologized at a disciplinary hearing. So I guess <laughs> all's well and ends well in, yeah. in this case. So your turn, Ben. Well, number to reach us, 512-646-1984. That is 512-646-1984. If you'd like to drop us an AOL instant message, it is animal farm show ah and you don't have to put you know, it doesn't have to be all one word and we just uh, realized this speaking from, of complaint yes uh jim jim uh, sent us an email from uh, detroit the, the uh, detroit area and said you know you guys always say animal farm show all one word yes it doesn't need to be all one word you could put spaces in between the letters and yeah. you'll still get in touch and with i us. did not know that and i want to say thank you to absolutely his name was jim right jim i want to say thank you jim because you know it, thank, you, thank you very much he yeah. was like you know after a year of listening to you guys it gets kind of annoying a little bit and <laughs> it's like, a lot it's, it gets annoying saying it four times a show it does it does so i'm very glad that uh jim jim thank you uh, told us about that <laughs> and, it, and if we're annoying you in any ways please just send us an email we'll, we'll try to stop we'll try our best to stop oh but. yeah <laughs> oh yeah listen folks by all means i mean uh it, it's just it's a matter of fact it's going to happen so yes if anything bothers you about the show by all means folks definitely email us uh, and we will try to change it yeah and you could even put a bad word in front of the at for our email address you could be like expletive at animalfarmshow.com mm-hmm. and we'll, we will we will still get that email and probably would read that first uh, before the fan mail so yeah folks anything yep, like so that you could email us bastards at animalfarmshow.com if you want yeah um and we'll get it now tony continuing on we with the silliness to okay, annoy you and make things generally <laughs> absolutely continuing on with the silliness you remember um when that that person got arrested for dressing dressing up as a ninja uh, yeah, the school yeah, yeah. got closed down for 90 <laughs> yeah. minutes or so, and I believe that was in New Jersey, if I... If, <laughs> I think it was it. in the tri-state area, yeah. Um, well, this article right here, Ninja, quote-unquote, warriors arrested in New Jersey. Oh, no. And I, <laughs> I love Ninja news. Ninjas are just <laughs> the best. Me, too. Um, Clifton police say they arrested two men dressed like ninjas and armed with Asian martial arts weapons who said they were sending a warning to drug users. Calling themselves the Shinobi Warriors, <laughs> the men wore... They're fighting drug dealers? I guess so. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I don't know if they were fighting oh, drug users, I think it says. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> better lock our doors. Yeah, they called themselves the Shinobi <laughs> Warriors. The men wore black SWAT-type vests and carried knives, throwing stars, <laughs> swords, nunchucks, and a bow and arrow. I can't even get through this. A bow and arrow? <laughs> For a freaking ninja? <laughs> that's ridiculous. 20-year-old... Um, wow, I can't pronounce that. 20... Uh, 20- to, uh, let's just say his name is Bob, and 19-year-old, <laughs> 19-year-old Jesse, uh, his brother, are charged with weapon possession. Um, Bob is also charged with harassment for a letter left for an ex-girlfriend. After being arrested Wednesday in a car on Route 46, the men said they were delivering warning letters to drug dealers and drug users, urging them <laughs> to stop their impure activities. So the, the Shinobi warriors... Concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. The only thing, only thing I get from this article, Ben, is like, I picture a dude like sneaking out into the forest to smoke a dube. Like, all of a sudden you see like, a Chinese star like in his neck. Like, ah! Ah! Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That, that would make a hell of a movie. And, and keeping on that's funny i don't know was this anywhere near a school band because remember the last incident was outside of a school the last incident and they, they closed the school down yeah, and, you know. they, a person was dressed up as a ninja for a halloween party <laughs> and they got scared because they the, the children saw a ninja running through the woods so they shut down the school for 90 minutes but this is an entirely different story these ninjas mean business i guess they are the shinobi warriors i from tell you the truth, I, I wouldn't want any piece i mean i don't know if they could even throw it their chinese stars or shoot their bone arrows but i wouldn't want to take any chances uh, you know for any reason
reason. Or if um, they have those those um, those uh, little sock things on their foot that they put the ninja star in between yeah, the their footies, big toe. The footies with the little toe. Yeah, and they flick the ninja stars with their foot. Is that, is that what they do? Yeah. God. Yeah, that's, that's what real ninjas do. We got to get in it. We have to get one of these people on the show and to Me explain, too. like, look, what you know, it, do you guys attack uh, marijuana smokers or is it just PCP, heroin, crack, and that type of thing? That's, yeah, that's a good question. We have to definitely give you an update on that. Um, but speaking of more crazy and nutty news and you know, talking about how people, uh, I guess, panic easily in this country. I mean, banana peel on the ground is enough to call the friggin' FBI in. But uh, let, let, let's talk about this on the other side of the coin. Now, Texas school district are now letting teachers carry guns. I mean, this is talk, talk about the extreme opposite. Nice. A Texas school district will let teachers Don't bring mess with Texas. Yeah, will let teachers bring guns to class if uh, this fall. The district superintendent said on Friday in what experts said appeared to be a first in the United States. The board of the small rural Harold Independent School District unanimously approved the plan, and parents have not objected, Ben. Nice. And so, yeah, the, the David, his name is David Theot. Theot. He's a district superintendent. School experts backed Theot's claim that Harold, a system of about 110 students, 150 miles northwest of Fort Worth, may be the first to let teachers bring guns in the classroom. Wow. I mean, I can only imagine. I bet you not one kid gets out of line for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, Theot said uh, it is a matter of safety. We have a lockdown situation. We have cameras. But the question we had to answer is what if somebody gets in? What are we going to do? He said, it's just common sense. So, I mean, it looks as though this school is, you know, no yeah. nonsense. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't be sending my kid to school if I lived in the Fort Worth area or the northwest, whatever, uh, Fort Worth area. Teachers who wish to bring guns. No, no. no, I would not have a... You wouldn't be comfortable with this at your school? Absolutely not. Really? No. Well, I, don't, I don't trust people, so I wouldn't trust teachers. Hmm. And I sure as hell uh, don't want to trust a teacher who, you know, maybe he's had a bad day. Maybe a kid pissed him off. Maybe he felt threatened. <laughs> and I'm all for guns. I mean, listen, I'm all for guns. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. But you got to be careful. Look, if, what if there's a big student who takes one of these guns away from a, a teacher? You know, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just worrying too much. But uh, yeah, I just don't like the idea of schools being lockdown prison camps now because now we got you know cameras everywhere and mm -hmm. it's just it's just everything's getting out of hand now but moving along here teachers who wish to bring guns will have to be certified to carry a concealed handgun in texas and get crisis training and permission from school officials he said so i guess there yeah. is there are some background checks so, some i mean hey listen folks if you're for it and if maybe my you know maybe i don't know enough about this so maybe if my opinion is a little skewed and maybe you don't agree with it definitely give us a call 512 Six four six nineteen eighty four. I like the idea of it. You know, when we talk about the uh, the school shootings um, and how the uh, you know how they basically yeah. just went into that college and recently at Virginia Tech just started blasting people left and right and nobody had a, a weapon to defend themselves with or take this guy out and the wimpy cops were staying outside for four hours, ducking behind trees and stuff while this guy was going around the school killing people. Um, and they tried that crap in Alaska, and then somebody pulled out a gun and just took the kid out right away, and only one person sure. or two people got harmed in it. Um, so this this could be a good thing. I mean, as, as a blue-blooded carpetbagger, I have to say Texas <laughs> is definitely... I love Texas. I love Texas too. Yeah. No, and, and don't get me wrong, but I've come I'm, to love it. I'm know? not saying that, and and, yeah. and and things like this are the reason why. Well, yeah, and, and I'm not saying that I, I disagree with teachers ever having the uh, you know the ability or permission to have a gun. No, no, no. Listen, if you if you have a concealed permit to carry a firearm, I don't. You could be anybody. I like the idea of, of everybody. I like the idea of everybody knowing and um, them and and the, the parents knowing as well as well as getting permission from the school board and, and making it an open 
open type of thing. Um, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, and, and, to, and to credit your opinion too, Ben, and just just to kind of reinforce what you're saying, I highly doubt this school would ever get shoot, you know, shot up yeah. or any attacked in any way because you know, look, it's it's one of those things. If you know people, everybody's got guns on them. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. And folks, by all means. Uh, Colin, tell us what's on your mind. It could be anything. It could be anything. And I guess the if you'd like to call us for some some love advice, we could do we that. We could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, ben and I, Absolutely. us three, we're all you know, we all have nice, great, beautiful women. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. we're obviously experienced. We could do that. Anything Hello, you want, folks. Hello, yeah, especially Pyeth. <laughs> and uh, like I always say, uh, women, you know, if you want to instant message us, you take you take over the uh, instant message service, right, Ben? So yes, all the ladies can contact you, you know, privately there. Um, moving along, and finally, we do do sexual things on the air, but. <laughs> Oh it is per minute. Not, not is. with each other, that's for sure. I mean, no. now we're getting a little out of hand here. Wow. <laughs> Sexual stuff. That was weird. Yeah, that was pretty weird. <laughs> I was talking about the IMing back and forth. Oh, yeah, ago. well, we you, do, it's like, I don't know I what do you do that, but it's, it's $3.99 per instant message. So <laughs> if you want to do that, go for it. Um, you know, we could do it. I'm, I've been told I'm pretty good. So yeah, you can also text Chief like 23897. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Hacker exposes alleged Olympic stage fraud. So, um, oh, we have 20 seconds. Thank you, Ben, for letting me know that. You could just yell at me. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, talk about this, I'll talk about this on the other end, but this is an update to what you were saying, that we may have found out that these little Chinese girls were indeed too young to participate. So, folks, much more to come. AnimalFarmShow.com. Stay tuned. We shall return. Five one two six four six nineteen eighty four is the number to reach us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, um, uh, we got an instant message from Classified, our good friend Classified. Hello, sent, Classified. Sent me over uh, an MSNBC article: McCain offices evacuated after threats. White powder uh, letters found in packages sent to Denver and New Hampshire. Um, and this was updated a minute ago, so we're pretty current here with this. Wow. Uh, the campaign headquarters of presidential candidate John McCain in Denver and New Hampshire were evacuated Thursday after the offices received envelopes containing threatening uh, a threatening letter uh, and an unidentified white powder, a campaign spokesman said. The Colorado letter arrived in the mail in the afternoon, and the campaign immediately notified local and federal law enforcement authorities. Uh, Jeff Sadowski, a spokesman for the campaign in suburban Washington, D.C., told MSNBC uh, News. So... Pie, I'll get your ugly white ass out of here. <laughs> don't come back. <laughs> wow. Um, so, wow, that's really interesting. It I don't know. Pretty, yeah, pretty weird. Uh, okay, well, ho- hopefully it all goes well and then nobody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. That and was we'll weird. Find out who the hell's behind that. But, uh, okay, well, there you go. I mean, interesting. I, I'm not going to even talk about this, you know, the young Olympic girls, the Chinese. I mean, you know, I don't even know. It could be true. It could be not. I mean, if you watch the Olympics like I've been watching it, for the most part, these girls look like they're about four years old, at least to my eyes. So, uh, but the hacker just came out and, uh, you know, I guess exposed the alleged Olympics age fraud that's going on. I don't know if anything's going to happen. It's just obviously taking place in China. Mm. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But um, speaking of hacker, I have one more silly story. It's not really silly, um, but it, is, it does have to do with hacking. Good. Homeland Security phones were hacked. Uh, this is out of the Associated Press. Yes. All right. A hacker broke into a Homeland Security Department telephone system over the weekend and racked up about $12,000 in calls to the Middle East and Asia. The hacker made more than 400 calls on the federally, uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency voicemail system in Emmitsburg um, uh, on Saturday and Sunday, according to a FEMA spokesman, Tom Olshansky. FEMA is part of a Homeland Security, which in 2003 put out, put out a warning about this very vulnerability. So uh hacker got to him and uh yeah I guess uh, 
And you made a bunch of phone calls from there. <laughs> well, I wonder how much money and asked her to call Andy. Yeah, well, another reason, you know, reason number 436, you know, to never trust the government with your electronic, uh, you know, privacy, this whole thing. That's why we tell everybody, yeah. uh, you know, it's not a good thing that the government is checking your online activity, this whole thing, because they can be hacked just as easily as you can for the most part. Nothing is hack-proof, but uh, I guess we'll slip a little bit into the, the police state news here, Ben, because there are quite a few updates and news stories coming out and obviously folks don't forget second hour jason Burmis will be joining us and uh we have so much to talk about J- just the nist report alone uh i think we'll, we could probably take up the entire hour and we definitely yeah. get your participation too because it's uh it's interesting i think there's a lot to talk about obviously talking about the new you know new evidence that building seven uh quote-unquote evidence that uh building seven was not demolished but it, you know this new theory that came out so we'll talk about that with jason Burmis second hour but uh the bbc reports that some residents are furious over the Operation Sentinel in New York City terror checks, and, and this is to be expected. I mean, uh, people in New York City. Well, why aren't they on the news? Why aren't they being interviewed? Yeah, it's just well, the yeah. uh, sheeple, huh? Just yeah, just the, just the crazy tinfoil hat wearers. Operation Sentinel, a project of the New York Police Department, which would have every vehicle in Manhattan tracked by a series of license plate scanners, is cause for fury among some New York City residents. Details of the program were reported by Raw Story on the 12th of August. A similar security grid is being developed for Washington, D.C., Ben. So this is actually, that's, I did not know Interesting. that. Yes, I, I'm not surprised, especially with the crime in D.C. In an August 19 report, BBC's Wendy Urquhart found that while some are accepting the plan's invasive measures, others are not taking the news so lightly. Um, and continuing on, there's a couple quotes here. Uh, it's a comprehensive security program to protect the lower Manhattan area. Indeed, all of Manhattan from vehicle-borne explosive devices, said Ray Kelly, New York City's police commissioner. He added that data gathered by the system will be expunged within 30 days unless police have use for it. This is one of the details. Oh, crap. That, this is one of the things, uh, at least, you know, for what it's worth, my opinion, that really just didn't sit well, that th- this idea that they're going to go through all this trouble to collect data on, se- yeah. you know, for security messages, uh, license plate, and then they're somehow going to remember to delete it in 30 days. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't buy that. And, you know, maybe I'm just dumb, but um, I, I don't I don't think that's ever going to happen. But sure enough, this is what they've been hinting at well, ever since you, Sentinel came out. You'd think that if they cared about civil liberties enough, they wouldn't come out with Sentinel in the first place. So them, the, the notion that they're kind of half caring about it and maybe they'll they'll delete them after 30 days and it's a trust us mentality, that's that's a little fishy and, and I, I don't believe it as well. Yeah, it just to me, it just sounds... Somebody's going to have those. It just sounds like the obvious thing to say to try to keep people to quell the yeah. dissent, so to speak, and to just make sure people, you know, to prevent them from coming out and bitching and moaning. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, first of all, if you're gonna, if I'm going to pay for this as a New York City resident, you better keep the damn data. You better, you know, be able to use it because, uh, you know, if I'm innocent of a crime, you better make sure you have that stuff on file and make sure you know where I what. So it, it just, it goes crazy. But anyway, um, Ray Kelly goes on here. I mean, if you don't have anything to worry about, you won't worry. Argued. Oh, this is another person interview. Oh, this gosh. is the. This is just the. You know, gold medal sheeple mentality of this you country. You are a meathead. I love this. If you have nothing to worry about, you won't worry. That's just that's brilliant. That should be a placard on the wall. <laughs> you shut up! You uh, shut up! And then it goes on. Fine representation of our ignorance. Yeah. Then it goes on. This person also says, "I'm not sure." There's no name to this uh, quote, but it also goes on, goes on to say, "Now, if you're trying to hide something and they scan your license plate, you'll have a problem. Then there's <laughs> there's a good reason." <laughs> so okay. So what? We can't get by the license plate thing. What if you steal a car? Oh God, I don't know. Despite assurances from the police and the officials. My back and tell me it's raining. Amen. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Despite assurances from police and city officials that the thousands of cameras are for the benefit of residents, 
convincing New Yorkers to accept the plan won't be easy, says Urquhart. Yeah, well, I don't expect it to be easy. 9-11 happened in Manhattan, and a lot of people were questioning it that very day, and I think a lot of people since then have woken up. Uh, but, for, of course, we always get these lovely quotes from the from the, the cows and the sheep and the little llamas that are just roaming around like, I don't care, nothing to hide, let the government take away all yeah. my freedom. So, mm-hmm. um, wow. And the counter to that argument being, if I have nothing to hide, then why the hell are they uh, scanning my junk? No, why are they uh, trying to get a hold of my uh, <laughs> personal data? <laughs> someone's, scanning, someone's scanning your junk, you have bigger problems in your hand, especially if it's scannable. But um, yeah, this mentality just, it breaks my heart, first of all. And I mean, I understand where people are coming from. People don't understand the threat that we're under, and they also can't put you know these two things together they don't understand that uh government just like ours is capable of doing such evil as ones in the past so mm-hmm. it is what it is and we'll hopefully man we'll try to find out better ways to you know wake up people and uh you know at least t- let them know what's going on but i want to talk about another police event here and again we're just kind of roaming through the news here uh but another tasing event another unfortunate tasing event now it's a, a 14 year old at indiana school let me see if this audio would play for me here. Pinkerton, that fight broke out between two teenagers at Elkhart Central High School. That's where WSBT Sarah Rice is live tonight. And Sarah, police say they had a hard time getting that 14-year-old student under control last Friday. Especially because of his size, Jim. He's almost six feet tall and weighs 230 pounds. Police say the taser helped stop the student from fighting with the other student and the officers. The first week at Elkhart Central High School got off to a violent start. There was a 14-year-old kid who was hitting a 16-year-old kid. As they broke up the fight, the 14-year-old continued to fight, attempted to go after the the 16-year-old that he was fighting with. Police used a taser on the student. They claimed there was no other way to get him under control. I mean, he was still fighting school administrators and the police officer. And this is actually similar to something that we, we, I don't know if we talked about it on air, but there was a similar incident, and this was a while ago, maybe three or four months ago, where there was a similarly large student, possibly dangerous student, and he was attacking administrators, and I think he actually, he actually hit a police officer. And so, you know, at first you're reading, you're like, oh man, this is terrible. Then you read more into it and you think, well, you know, maybe this was the best way to handle it. Handle it. Uh, you know, if you disagree, for sure, uh, give us a call, let us know. But maybe in this case, I could be behind in not using a gun. <laughs> that could have been a hell of a lot mm-hmm. worse. So, I mean, you know, you look at his uh, general size. He's what almost six feet. They was, said not a, quite six I feet. Think it was like over six feet. They said he said under not almost six, almost feet, six feet and two hundred thirty mm-hmm. pounds. They said that, which isn't particularly huge. Um, you know, if you're a fourteen year old kid, yeah, that's, that's big. That's, that's very big. Very but big. I, I don't see why an average adult male should be able to should have a rough time trying to get him down. Well, um, but you know, if you want to use a taser, whatever. I mean, I, I wasn't there. I didn't see what happened. So yeah, I mean, you know, I can't make the judgment. But uh, I do know that ta- tasers are, are grossly overused for the most part. So yeah. Uh, but we'll get into some more stuff when we get back. I want to get into some politics when we get back. Some Let's mainstream do it, politics. Let's yeah. Get it done. Um, Obama and McCain are talking junk back and forth, and then a new uh, study by. Um, Showing the uh, strong, overwhelming support by the multimedia for uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Animalfarmshow.com. We have two sides of the same coin, the two-party paradigm, the two presidential shills that we have in there, uh, John McCain and Barack Obama, and they are trading insults back and forth. Um, Most recently, somebody asked John McCain how many homes he owns. 
Yeah, this um, is this is. By the way, Ben, I, I was driving and I was listening to Hannah. And he just wanted to 70. add this. Mm-hmm. This was literally the talking point of the entire day. Yes, and this is, this goes to show what you know what we deal with here in this country. <laughs> Unbelievable. But he owns, uh, I guess, I don't know, four homes. He said he didn't know how many homes he had. He had to check with his staff, and then they checked <laughs> with his staff, and he said he had four homes. Uh, but I think it might be as much as seven, <clears throat> and up to fourteen million dollars. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously two sides of the same coin uh, talking about unimportant things. Barack Obama comes out and says this man has no idea what it's the, the commoner feels. He has no idea what this uh, the lower class American is feeling on the tough times in our economy. He has uh, the, more houses than he knows what to do. With. Yeah, he's an elite and he can't understand what the average person is is feeling. And then McCain, the McCain people came back and they said Obama lives in a freaking mansion. Yeah. Because he does. Um, but this uh, a little lesson to everybody out there that maybe doesn't know about the two-party pa- paradigm is that these people are both filthy rich and have no clue what's going on in the economy. They're not feeling any hardships yeah. as to what's happening, so they have no way to relate with anybody that is feeling the hardships. And this just goes to show, and, and, and we kind of, as an independent uh, people over here and not involved in politics, it's really great to just sit back and watch these two bastards destroy each other on air while we, while we watch and laugh. And they expose themselves for the shells that they are. Yeah, but, you know, on top of it, too, Ben, I think there's a couple dimensions to this. First of all, I don't really think they're attacking each other. I think at the end of the day that these guys are always, you know, hanging out, sipping scotch with one another. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, saying, I'm not saying Obama and McCain specifically. I'm saying the people behind these candidates, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, ultimately are the ones pulling the strings. So that's, give t- you know, take that for what it well, is. Well, they're but- playing a craps game. And if anybody interferes with their craps game, they're going to both team up and they're going to kick that person's ass. Essentially, you know, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, they are playing craps against one another, though. They are bidding, as, as Alex Jones would say, bidding for uh, the CEO of Slavery Incorporated. Oh, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's definitely accurate. But, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, if it isn't bad enough that given the state of our country right now, if it isn't bad enough that we have to listen to this adolescent yeah. nonsense every mm-hmm. day on the radio, uh, considering where we're at and the problems that are really hitting Americans uh, countrywide, you know, there are huge, huge problems, huge hurdles that we have to figure out a way to, to get over uh, to get back on our feet as a nation. So in and of itself, it's ridiculous that we have to hear about this. But you go even deeper. And I listen to some of these neocons on the radio just because, you know, I think it's important to hear as much of the stories as possible. You know, and I'm trying to hear about something. You know, even the Olympics to me is more important than <laughs> yeah. Obama and how many houses. I mean, this is about as important as what popcorn John McCain and Obama like or dislike. It's ridiculous. But on top of it, it's just amazing how, you know, it breaks my heart. People call on these radio shows and they're like, oh, my God, you're a great American. Thank you so much. And, <laughs> you know, they're sitting there. And, and it, if it isn't bad enough that they're talking about the craziness, it's, it, the whole argument is, well, John McCain, you know, I had it today. John McCain's getting accused for being an elitist and having 18 homes, whatever. But Obama's got all these homes. So it, it's it, the argument, it gets made and ends and there's nothing, nothing gets done at all. Yeah. It's saying, OK, well, yeah, he is really rich but so is obama okay so what what's, what's yeah. the no, point of the entire argument no point drop it that, that is the whole thing but people buy this and, and and you know i bet you you could talk to some idiot today who actually like read a newspaper or watched a little bit of you know news tv and says yeah i don't know about that obama cat you know he you know he has got four houses he's an elite <laughs> i mean are and you hear these me? does well, it matter to you as an american how many houses your candidate owns well that's well that's incredible that's the incredible part about it is when you uh, look into 
the very important stuff like we look into and we cover on our show, and then you uh, literally look at the average American out there and you see the uh, you see the actual programming that goes from the television screen and into their head, and you don't actually see the stream of data, but you you know that it exists because they're saying the exact same stuff that's going out on air, and it's it's absolutely incredible. Now you know, given given all that aside, they, I, a new study did come out, and I found this fascinating. This is off of WorldNet Daily. Um, and w- this is something that we already knew, but. Uh, ABC uh, study, ABC, NBC, CBS strongly support Obama. We knew this already. Uh, covered, uh, coverage bordered on giddy celebration of political rock star. A comprehensive analysis of every evening news report by NBC, ABC, and CBS television networks on Barack Obama since he came to national prominence uh, concludes coverage of the Illinois senator has, quote-unquote, bordered on giddy, giddy celebration of political rock star rather than objective news gathering. The new study by Media Research Center, which tracks bias in the media, is summarized on the organization's website where the full report has also been published. It reveals that positive stories about Obama over that time outnumbers negative ones from seven to one. Yeah. Yep, and significant. And significant controversies such as Obama's relationship with the convicted Chicago man have been largely ignored. Richard Noyes, the research director for the MRC, told WND Obama has always received very positive press from the national media, and that was a huge boost to anyone seeking a national political career. That's uh, contrary to the normal default position for reporters of being slightly cynical and a little skeptical. He said it is not the normal professional. Uh, approach you see in journalists, he said. So um, we we see this worshiping and praise of Obama throughout the mainstream media, and I see this every day if you know how to read it correctly. But you see, it's very similar to what happened in uh, with Bush after the September 11 tax, how he could oh, do yeah. no wrong, and how he was sort of all, 100% always, support, so uh, almost 100% support from the country. I mean, a lot of support, and over yeah. 96% of the country I think supported him at one point. Absolutely after 9/11. Yeah, so that's why it's so effective. So yeah, so but you see this exact same thing. So you know, the lesson being learned is that the mainstream media isn't liberal. It's not conservative. It's not anything it's it's pro uh, establishment pro uh government pro pro government pro um you know pro death destruction and and sucking the blood of innocent children i mean they're just <laughs> they're, they're scumbags ultimately and they're they really are pro war and that the same people that do no make question. the war decisions are the same people that are are the producers on the networks that are pushing the war so we we got to be careful for for stuff like that but obama is the next person that they want in in my opinion no, I, I think, you know, it's a valid point. It's, it's hard to get behind McCain, Ben. He's such a joke yeah. of a candidate. I mean, not that Obama's all that much greater, but at least he is saying the word change. At least like, he's, I like, like, inspirational. At least and like, you he's know. easier to believe than the yeah. average common man and woman. Absolutely. Uh, 512646. I don't like change. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. 512646-1984. And, Ben, just to kind of sum up the point that I was trying to spit out before, um, the mainstream media you know, pundits, the Hannity's and the Rush Limbaugh's, they never really spend enough time to defend their candidates. You know, like obviously Rush Limbaugh is, I mean, um, John McCain is obviously the guy that they're trying to, def- you know, defend. But instead yeah. of defending him and saying, well, never, you know, and coming up with a counterpoint, they always just talk about how much worse the other guy is at the same problem. So, you know, M- McCain is blah, 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 blah. But well, it's incredible. I mean, that times 10, you know, you look at it from a joke. Yeah, you look at it from an outside perspective. And this is why people hate politics. But you right. turn on liberal radio and they say, oh, McCain's such a worthless piece of crap and he's going to be horrible for this country. And here's here are the reasons why. And then the concern and, and they're right. And then the conservatives turn on the radio and they say, Obama's this is, this is why Obama's a piece of crap and this is why the country is going to be horrible. Uh, but, but they never put two and two together. We have the ability to look at both sides of the argument and say, 
they're right on this side over on these points, they're right on that side over on these points, and it turns out that they're both crappy candidates, yeah. and they're both going to lead this country into slavery. Oh, there's no question. Nearly I mean, every election since the beginning of time has been between some douche and some turd. <laughs> they're the only people who suck up enough to make it that far in politics. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a lot of truth there. Uh, but it really is, it's getting so much more sad now, Ben. I think just because of the state of this country and where we're at now, you know, we don't have, we don't have time for this anymore. We don't have any... Uh, room for any more mistakes this is probably the most important election yeah, in our at, history we are past the point of talking we about can't. people's houses and 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 crap like that man we have to start thinking about their political ideologies their foreign policies their monetary Who's behind policies. their campaigns their Absolutely. managers what they're you know what these people are made of where they're, where they're getting their donations from how much oh, is yeah. coming from the medical industrial complex the sure. military industrial complex and both are coming from from both sides so i mean same, they, it's, it's the thing. same crap Funding two sides of the same coin, coin and uh, they own both horses in the, in the race, and it's, it's it's absolutely pathetic and pitiful, and we have to we have to figure that out. No question. It's time to graduate okay, from high school. That's one more vote for turd sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's time to graduate from high school, folks. And I know a lot of people don't want to do that. I know a lot of people still love their gossip, and especially anybody who can you know deems themselves into politics. Like, oh, I you know every I, it's funny. I was talking to one of my friends, and they said, oh, I didn't know you had a radio show. You know, it's interesting. What is it about? I said, well, it's you know it's a new News and, and news and politics type show. We report on things that are going on. She says, oh, I, I didn't know you like politics. I said, I don't. I don't like politics. In fact, politics makes me sick because of what it's been turned into, at least from the mainstream media view. No, I dislike politics greatly, uh, but unfortunately, I feel strong enough about the message that we're sending out there and about information mm -hmm. and how it's being so distorted or not reported or omitted. Uh, that yes, I think this is extremely important to keep this show going. And, and folks, once again, thank you for supporting us. All the emails we, we try to do as much as we can for you guys, and we appreciate the the support and all that. So uh, thank you, a uh, hundred times, hundred times, million times, one of those things. Because yeah. we do get a lot of great emails, Ben. In every show, it seems like we someone new reaches out to us. So uh -huh. it, yep. it is great. And someone new, and, and they're they're telling us, you know, what they think about the show and what we're yeah. doing wrong, and that we are saying animal, animal farm show all one word. <laughs> uh, we need to hear things. <laughs> we we'll never like say that. that again, though, Ben, because that because of. What's the name? Jim. From Jim, yeah. Thank from, you, uh, from Jim. Jim. I know. And, and a good guy. We got we to pe get people to say that stuff more and more. Yeah. So, anyway, so we'll, we'll be back uh, momentarily, folks. Uh, one more segment before we have Jason Burmis on to talk about his new film, Fabled Enemies. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Off talking about the hypocrisy in the media just from the fundamental standpoint of, you know, I'm a red state host and now I'm going to bash the blue state candidate and then I'm a blue state host and I'm, you know, it's the same. You I don't know how, I just, I don't understand. The only thing I can equate the, you know, the, the listenership and the fan base to is just, you know what? People want a team to root for. People, when they feel like they're part of a team or part of an organization, it's like they're part of a team. It's like, you know, hey, I'm a Giants fan. They're I was going to say mental patients, uh, but well, yeah, I, I think you're probably, you know, I think you're probably more correct. I don't I know, but I mean, a little I, harsh. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't dislike or hate anybody because they 
like to listen to Rush Limbaugh or Hannity, there's obviously some reason why these people find their show so intriguing. And like I, I think I said, it's the same reason why there's midgets on television and why, you know, there are so many there are dating shows with midgets on television. And are there, there are, yes, uh, all types of stuff. I think it's the same reason is that we've turned our, our entire country has been entertainment based, number one. Um, Good and, point, Ben. And number two, it's it's the fact that, you know, they've turned politics into a tabloid yes. type of thing where it's all entertainment and it's a he said, she said crap. It's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with hundreds of thousands of millions of people's lives and money and death and, uh, medicine, and, death and destruction. You know, yeah, it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. <laughs> it's about how many Broad. houses this guy owns and uh, compared to this other and what he said at this point in time and is uh, Barack Obama going to go negative or not? It really, I mean, it's just, it's complete 1000% mindlessness. It's uh, like two younger brothers uh, um, fighting over a dollar bill and punching each other in the face while this big boulder is coming towards them and they're sitting there fighting <laughs> about a dollar. You know, that's well, what it, that's what it's like. Yeah, and, and Grant, I am not sitting here saying I expect the Limbaugh's and the Hannity's and the left and the right. Oh, I'm not expecting them to talk about the things we do. I'm not expecting them to go after the corrupt and, and, and expose. I mean, but if nothing else, if you want to talk about Obama, you know, talk about how inexperienced he is. Talk about how maybe he flip flops. I mean, yeah. at least talk about the the regular stuff. I mean, you're, we're talking about what pairs of shoes these guys are wearing. You know, it's in some mm -hmm. degrees, it's really sad and it's sick. But anyway, Ben, it, yeah, sucks. I think you hit it basically on the head. Yes, people want to be entertained, and I think it actually goes hand in hand with what I'm saying, which kind of makes us kind of a partnership here, if you, yes. if you will. But yeah, I mean, people want to be entertained. There's no question. Look at the programming on TV. Uh, it is some of the worst trash I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a thousand channels, and there's nothing on. Um, but sure enough, with the entertainment value, you just have the idea that people have a need to belong to clicks and this is ever since school started yep. for most of us uh, except for people i guess like us that just wanted to have friends didn't need to belong to a group but yeah unfortunately people a, yeah i mean it, people it have started the same need it started in the schools when the when they already made the plans to to create the schools and make them like prisons and prisons are, are where it all originally comes from the gang mentality you have the skinheads you have the uh the Nazis and you have the the, the, the uh, black people and the, it's all diverse into their own little cliques where they all stab and shank each other. Um, and I it's wouldn't exact, know ben, uh, And it's just when, prison. when you bring it to, <laughs> but when you bring it to the high school level, it's 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 a softer version of that. You know, that's where the popular is. girls make fun of them yeah. and they try to hurt each other, and that's how it happens. But then when you bring it into political perspective, because we all really are high schoolers um, psychologically in this country, you bring it to the political perspective, and that's what you get. You get. It's the exact same things, and that's the entire that's way this entire country is set up it's not about love for your fellow man it's not about making the world a better place it's not about getting the truth out and the information out and uh exposing corruption like it used to be about it, all, uh, right now it's all about hurting people joining your little clique your little yeah. team and hurting people that's all it's about just, yeah fighting for everything that's just you know non-american not anti but non you know, we're, we're, yeah get, like i think you know uh we were ranting months and months ago on some show you know i think i came across a point where i said get out of your stupid parties and start becoming americans again because uh -huh. now we're literally seeing the mentality is my the republican party is more important than the american country yeah and that mentality i think is obviously very scary well, that's, but that goes into the rush limbaugh thing and right, he, he he's openly done that operation chaos where he literally told his people to go out there register as democrats vote for a lesser uh, a worse candidate on the democratic side so that the republicans would have a better chance of winning when we all know that democrats are going to get elected because of bush's crappy policies and so he's literally 
lowering the standards of what's happening in this country, and he does it on purpose, and then people love him for it. People worship him for it, and I've seen bumper stickers where people have Operation Chaos yeah. bumper stickers. I want to throw up in, 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 on my lap. It's a woman, just disgusting. A woman, a woman called into his show, and she oh, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm so nervous. Uh, she's, like, she's like, you know, uh, uh, I have four kids and a husband, and I, I was a big participant in Operation Chaos, and I, I did it for you, Rush. <laughs> you sick, sadistic <laughs> bitch. What is wrong with you? How could you be so stupid? Yeah. How could you be so fooled? But anyway, I, I wanted yeah. to, I, I'm trying to tie a segue, and we're getting way off, but keeping on the hypocrisy uh, rants and trail and train uh, track here, well, now we're talking about political hypocrisy, and of course, there's more than enough to go around. Huh. But I mean, as of all people, you don't expect it from Condoleezza Rice, no. who Her? said, yeah. It's, Condoleezza out, Rice should watch her mouth. She really should, because she came out and said that military power is not the way to deal in the 21st century. I mean, I can't even shut come up with something up. that would be politically correct to, to you know, uh, as some kind of comparison. But let me just read this article. This is out of uh, Propeller.com. It's all over oh, the web. Man. It's hardly news that U.S., like many countries, espouses these standards that it routinely violates. But still, even in light of such routine hypocrisy, wouldn't you think that this, from Condoleezza Rice today, on an airplane to U.S. reporters while traveling to a NATO meeting, <laughs> would have been too brazen to utter... Uh, Russia is a yeah. Russia is a state that is unfortunately using the one tool that it has always used whenever it wishes to deliver a message, and that and that's its military power. That's not the way to deal in the twenty first century. So yeah, you have, you have uh, McCain. This is crazy. You have McCain. McCain last week came out and says that in the twenty first century. Nations don't invade other nations, yep. and we're in like three right now. And you have Condoleezza Rice, and not to mention one of the justifications for going to Iraq War. One of the things that Bush said when he went up on uh, on stage in front of his little podium there and his little cowboy boots that he was wearing was, uh, you know, nations that you know peaceful nations don't need weapons of mass destruction, <laughs> and that's one of the things that he actually said. If you look at the United States, we have more weapons of mass that's destruction in the entire world than anybody. So it's just pure hypocrisy that you see out there. It's un but you know. For some reason, it works. So you have the media hypocrisy, which any they can come up with any talking point. They could say Barack Obama likes popcorn, and that's going to make him a bad presidential candidate. And yeah. Sure enough, you're going to get into argument with some idiot out there, and he's going to bring up the popcorn argument. Now you have the the real political hypocrisy, which obviously works because in this country, I know people who literally think that we can do no wrong, but once a country does something, it's wrong. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, Iraq had a dictator; he was killing his own people. I said, well. Yeah, but there's hundreds of countries that are doing that. You don't mm -hmm. seem to give a damn about them. And not only that, but who was the one, who were the ones that enabled him to do that? Um, you know, it, it, they're always looking outward. They're never looking inward never. at ourselves to try to figure out what the problems are and to fix ourselves. You know, th then they it, they call it the blame America first crowd. This is the uh, part. This is the crowd that you and I are part of here, Tony. Uh, we're the blame America first crowd. Whenever something bad happens in the world, we always look towards America to see what the problem is. Because we hate America, we want it to fall and we want it to burn. Oh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously. I'm giving, we're giving up our time because we want to see the country fail, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that's, that makes a lot of sense. That's the case, but it's not about that. It's about looking inward and finding what the problem is and, and what you're doing wrong in order to uh, in order to make the world a better place. Listen, if, if somebody's, if a nation's out there attacking you flat out, you have the right to defend yourself, but if they're attacking you because you gassed and killed uh, five million of their citizens, yeah. and you can't really blame them. You have to look inward at yourself and find out what you did wrong to rectify the situation. 
that's what real patriotism about is about. That's what real politics is about. It's not blaming America. It's not a blame game, you 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 yeah. asinine sophomoric <laughs> retards. It's not about that. <laughs> <Where's> it's <the> <laughs> beast? <laughs> really. It's not. <laughs> Thank you, Pyatt. <laughs> it's not a blame game. It's much more important than that. People's lives are at stake. Yeah, and unfortunately, Ben, I actually had a conversation with a with a person who literally had a very, very good education growing up. I had the same education. And, yeah, it means and we, nothing. I, I, and was denying that we even had nuclear weapons. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even joking with you. This wasn't like a drunken conversation. This was legitimate. And so, you know, it, it, to me, it obviously works because Rice can come out and say this, nuclear. you know, shameless hypocrisy. Shameless. Yeah. I mean, not even – it's amazing. She can almost – I don't, I don't want to use any analogy because I, I might get in trouble. But um, she comes out and says, yes, that's not the way to do it. Don't, you know, don't use force. And sure enough. We are doing the same thing and have been for how many years, even before the, these wars that we're in. It's embarrassing. So it's embarrassing uh, to, to have her in the government as Secretary of State, this whole and thing. she's all over TV, and she's broadcasting internationally where people, where everybody could see. And they're literally looking at the United States like these people are out of their freaking minds. Because this woman could go on television and say these things, and the, po- and the population doesn't even care. I've heard Didn't her name. Even confront her on it. I've heard her name uh, brought up in the past as, as a possible vice president. Yeah. I almost I almost, uh, no I almost got into a car accident. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what else I can say that's legal here. But, Ben, I mean, it's, it's, we're scary times. I mean, we're very scary very times. Very scary times. People, uh, people have been so fooled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I guess we can go all around the spectrum with the health and the, the food and the water. But bottom line, I, I, people don't know what's going on here. It is. It is. And you I want to, you know, be, be, speaking of you saying that she was a possible VP candidate. Good I, God, I do wanna, help us. I know. I do want to say that I do, and I could be 1,000% wrong, but I want to throw this out there. I do think that Hillary is going to be... You think uh, she's going to get it? I think she's going to get it. Really? I think, I think she's going to be uh, Barack's uh, VP pick. I do. Wow. I think I think that that's what's going to happen because, uh, you know, we, we did that story so long ago where they whispered in each other's ear after, the, after those big debates where somebody put forth the notion of them being the quote-unquote dream ticket and they literally that lip singer that yeah. that lip uh reader that was on the program had said um they were saying to each other this is our big break yeah. so i think it's a possibility that that she could end up his uh vp uh, good god then if um, all that were proven true talking, i think that would be a very serious and event. they're talking about romney on the on the, the republican side so i mean it's just it's Ouch. just the news yeah. And he's another guy who has no shame. He wants to tr- double or triple yeah. Guantanamo. Well, he's he's no he's, shame. He's put his nose enough up enough people's asses oh, yeah. to, to get it. Yeah. Definitely, no doubt. Well, okay. Well, listen. When we get back, we will be joined by Jason Burmis, and we will stop bitching and moaning at least about this subject. So stay <laughs> tuned. Jason Burmis on the other side, folks. You listen to the Animal Farm Radio Show. We shall return. Visit AnimalFarmShow.com. Stay tuned. We pride ourselves. name you people are the real thing we are the illusion so turn off your television sets turn them off now turn them off right now turn them off and leave them off turn them off right in the middle of a sentence i'm speaking to you now turn them off Welcome back, folks. Animal Farm Show is what you're listening to. And uh, we're obviously waiting the arrival of Jason Burmis. He's supposed to be joining us in this hour sometime. So hopefully he's okay. He'll be joining us. But in the meantime, 
We'll continue with the nutty, the crazy, the Animal Farm style news and information. And this, I guess, is a bit of good news here, Ben, for a change out of Yahoo.com. States throw out costly electronic voting machines. Nice. So, I mean, obviously, hey. people raising hell about this country hey. in many different aspects and ways. Hey, listen to me. I'm tired of you guys using clips of me without my authorization. So I'm taking over this operation right now, boy. Because of doubts about Do you hear me, you pig farm people? What to do with this high-tech... I'm talking to the pig farm, and I'm talking to you right now, pig suckers! ...a piece to take back its ATM-like machines. Some states are offering the devices for sale on eBay and Craigslist. Others hope to sell their inventories to third-world countries or salvage them for scrap. Oh, boy. A few more holding out hope that the machines themselves, some of which were produced, uh, purchased for as much as $5,000, could one day be resurrected. And, of course, we don't want that. Pigfarm.com. Store them very, very carefully in the Pigfarm.com. And use them again, said San Diego County Registrar Deborah Sealer, whose jurisdiction... This is hardcore serious! ...dollars on the devices. It wasn't supposed to be this way. (laughs) After the disputed 2000 presidential recount, Congress provided more than $3 billion to replace punch card and lever-operated machines. State officials across the country said the new systems would eliminate human error and political tampering. (laughs) Well, obviously that didn't work, and, I mean, it seemed like it got a lot worse, at least, Ben, at least for the, even, uh, I guess, more for the smaller elections, you saw a lot of issues of of just complete election fraud. Yeah. so I, you know, this is a, in one way, this is a good news, but I mean, there's now this is warehouse with millions of dollars worth of equipment, and now what to do with them? So, you know, it's over, Johnny. It's over. You know, it's, <laughs> it's their fault, and hopefully we don't have to pay for them at this point. But that's that's the that's the latest, and you can check it out out of uh, AP. States throw out costly electronic voting machines. That's good. That's good news. Yeah, but that's good news. Charles sent that to us. Thank you, Charles. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the news that's not so good, but Denver to Thanks. hunt protesters. With maps, bicycles, and football helmets. Oh. Uh, yeah, and it's a crazy, this, what's building up right here. Almost everybody can be a potential violent protester at the Democratic National Convention, according to a new bulletin issued by the Denver Police Department and leaked to the ACLU. The bulletin uh, lists mirrored items police should watch out for, including caches of supplies that could be used for, by violent demonstrators. The publication intended for commissioned police officers was provided to Raw Story Thursday. On the list, plastic shields. Football helmets, gas masks, baseball catch uh, pro- protectors, uh, cases of nails, handheld radios, maps, maps, huh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> maps, bicycles, and protest sign handles, perfect for swinging at first responders. The police say they're also worried about people with large numbers of city maps or camping information. Football, baseball, baseball, motorcycle, and bicycle helmets are all used by violent protesters, the bulletin warns. Bicycles are used to blockade sidewalks, streets, and can be used to slow down responding emergency oh, vehicles. <laughs> so we're all we're all spawned from the, the pit of hell here. Um, if you're going to the DNC, you better watch Hermes is in the green room right here. Been waiting for you. I guess it's kind of a blog entry here. Denver police ready to overreact at DNC. Why don't these so, guys I mean, hear you, Burmes? Nice. Yeah. They want Hold you on air. Post-traumatic stress disorder. So, folks, it Start really too busy in the like pig farm state. And let's just hope that uh, all goes well and smoothly. But unfortunately, every time one of these things comes around, uh, it just gets worse and worse on, uh, from a police gate, police state scale and measure. So, folks, that's it. When we get back, we're going to talk to Jason Burmis and uh, much to talk about some new 9-11 breakthroughs. And I got to get his comments and thoughts on a couple things. So we'll have him and then we'll take your phone calls when we get back. Stay tuned. The Animal Farm Radio Show. 
law is that guy that wears that badge and a gun. That's the one that puts you in jail. That's the law. So do you men lack confidence? Need some help in that intimate area? Well, now we have the answer for you. The Animal Farm Radio Show. And we do have Jason Burmis, one of the original creators of The Loose Change, uh, second edition, one of the most watched uh, internet movies out there, and he has a new movie coming out there called, uh, yes, Fabled Enemies. Jason, are you there, friend? Yeah, yeah I'm not sure yeah, what the deal is, because I have ISDN. Can you hear me right now? Yeah, okay, we have okay. a couple of little delay there. Hopefully that'll go away. What's up, Jason? Hey, man, how you doing? Doing good, man. How about yourself? I can't complain. Good. Hello. So, Jason, your your new movie, or, or should I call you Burmy or, or what? <laughs> the Burmy. Hey, guys, did you know Burmis was on the whole time? You just couldn't hear him, so I popped in and renamed your show The Pig Farm. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's good to have you both here, man. Listen, I, there's so much to talk about, and I really want to get right to it. I mean, the, the new sure. NIST report, I woke up, and I you know, I couldn't even have breakfast because of this now, because it really now, and you, you're going to hear this whenever you argue with someone now, they're going to come out with this new NIST report that basically debunks everything about 9-11, and now the conspiracy just didn't happen and all that. So uh, I want to let you guys take it away. Give me your thoughts on it, because I missed your little segment today on, this sh- on the show. What do you think about this new report? Sure. I mean, they had to backtrack from their earlier claim uh, Dr. S. Shyam Sunder, who was the main guy there, uh, originally stated in Popular Mechanics that they had photographic and video evidence which showed them that a third of the building was scooped out. Uh, I'm sorry, a third on the lower half. So it was really a quarter of the building, uh, somewhere between uh, 10 and 12 stories of the back facade. And of course, we know that's totally false and fabled enemies. We actually take you inside the building and we have some pretty clear shots of the south face. So in this new report, they said, well, there was damage, but it wasn't significant, and it played little to no role in the building coming down. Now, again, they just totally didn't address the molten metal issue. They act like there was no molten metal on the scene of any of the World Trade Center uh, controlled demolitions, because that's what they were. And uh, another point that I want to make is that they, they actually had to give a brand new reason. This wasn't fuel oil tanks. This wasn't fire. Now it was... Well, the fire in the middle of the building caused the uh, main trusses in the middle of the building to expand, and once they expanded, it caused instability, and that's why you saw the roof line go first. And then once the internal uh, damage uh, started to go in, that's why the facade fell as well. So that's, I guess, the best. uh, Yeah, that's going to be the best uh, explanation we get. And I believe that they also said that even though this had never happened before and especially in the uh, temperatures of the fire, which were hundreds of degrees less than they would expect, they're now going to go through a lot of the building codes and say that people's buildings are not built to uh, standard. But the scooping. Yeah, the, yeah, the scooping is, is just ridiculous. I'm leaving. I'll see you. All right, I'll see you later, Jones. Yeah, take care, Alex. Yeah, and then that's the thing. I mean, it literally almost it seems like they're making up science as they go. And on top of it, the thing that really burns me up um, is, you know, I know that one of the big controversy with, with the Building 7, obviously, is with Silverstein on the BBC, the BBC documentary. And to me, that has to get 
at least acknowledge. Never mind what the BBC reported before it fell. That's a huge issue. Never even mind. Never mind even the countdown of the firemen. That's another humongous part of the demolition. But this, you know, leaseholder went on this documentary and said what he said wasn't even reported. I know that NIST is not going to necessarily investigate that aspect. But to me, this is why I get all crazy because now it's what uh, seven years now since the attack, and yeah. you know now we're coming up on the what the eighth anniversary of this whole thing. No, it's the seventh and, anniversary coming so, up. Sorry, this yep. Is, that's what I. That's what I meant. Seventh anniversary. And yet now they just released this NIST report now. And, and I know why they do it. I know because it's getting so much heat and because the, the sheep will just need to have something to come back with the facts and try to, you know, come. Oh, well, the scientists proved that there was no thermite. That's impossible. And they come up with this new idea. But to me, Jason, I mean, there's so much more about Building 7 other than what they're talking about that just needs to be explained as soon as possible. Well, absolutely. And they introed saying that they did look at the uh, hypothesis of explosives. But when our InfoWars reporter who came down here a few days ago and we got him press passes i mean this called us up and made sure he was with us he asked about the thermite they laughed at him and they said that they didn't feel they needed to test it uh because it was ridiculous so they contradict their own statements there they also contradict their own statements by saying that they interviewed numerous people uh, around the building and inside the building well everybody knows that i have that uncut barry jennings interview where he's talking about explosions in building seven prior to either tower collapsing and i can guarantee that his account was not taken into consideration for this final nist report i mean it screams of a cover-up from the very beginning and the thing about these talking points that they need you know the bunkers glom on to anything that the government says so when the government originally said it was fuel oil tanks it's fuel oil tanks uh, when yeah. they say that the building scooped out, they say that the building scooped out. Now that they've retracted that the building scooped out, they'll simply go with this new explanation that the trust has expanded, causing instability, and then global collapse. Remember, global collapse didn't uh, actually exist until the 10,000-page uh, NIST report on 1 and 2 when they couldn't actually explain, quote-unquote, global collapse. They just described collapse initiation and then said global collapse occurred. Yeah, and it's so it's so appropriate too, Jason, because we were just talking before you you joined us. We were just talking about how the media and 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 the politicians, especially the the uh, higher up politicians in our government, they can literally say anything. They could say that Humpty Dumpty attacked us, and before you know it, they're going to start boycotting Humpty Dumpty books. <laughs> I mean, they could, it, it's such a friggin' example of romper room that's going on in this country, and people, the majority of people, are so dumbed down that they'll believe anything. And even if people out there who do pay attention, even those people, like you said, uh, this is just more fuel for them to come back to the debunkers and all this stuff and it just gets it gets out of control and no matter what you do you could show them the collapse of building seven how you could see the explosions in the windows the classic crimp this whole thing the owner admitted it the bbc reported that you know it was pulled before it was pulled and yet people just they just don't want to believe it unfortunately jason so it's crazy yeah, so unfortunately this report comes out, and I, I know it's going – I know I'm, sh I'm sure I'm going to get emails before the end of this week or maybe before the end of middle next week uh, from all the people that I've been trying to tell this to for, for years now. And it's just going to be like, ah, I told you so. You're just a nutcase, you know, tinfoil hat wear. So uh, I haven't read the entire report. I've read a decent amount. And hopefully we're going to – as we approach the, you know, the sixth anniversary here of 9-11, we'll get more into this, and hopefully we can get some more information. But uh, you also have the new, new film coming out, Jason, so we want to let you promote that as much as possible. Tell us about that. Sure, it's my new film, uh, Fabled Enemies. It really dwells on the international uh, intelligence organization that carried out 9-11. It doesn't really, it doesn't go into the physical anomalies of 9-11 at all. We don't really cover 
uh, the controlled demolitions of one and two. We do have a chapter on seven, but that's mainly because it was New York City's number one spook house. It housed the largest CIA office outside of Langley, Virginia. It housed the largest Secret Service office in the world, the FBI, the IRS, the SEC, the Department of Defense. And obviously, if you have those types of uh, organizations in a building complex like that, Kroll is not running security on the World Trade Center. The CIA is. The NSA is. Um, you know, this was, and this was a this was a military industrial complex building. Uh, not only all that stuff that I just mentioned, but the Office of Emergency Management, where everybody was supposed to go to in the case of an emergency or a terrorist attack, such as the one on September 11th, was hooked into the Pentagon at all times. That's 24/7, and it also had blueprints to every single building in the city. 24-7. So this was the obvious choice for everybody to go there. And to have uh, two city officials, Barry Jennings and Michael Hess, go up there to find an abandoned building after they're taken up in a freight elevator and then experience explosions from beneath them in that very same building is quite significant. But, you know, aside from that, which is, you know, kind of been covered ad nauseum on the Alex Jones show, and, you know, we put out that little sneak peek a while back, and you know, there, there's another trailer coming up that'll have that. I mean, I really get into the Israeli involvement on 9-11. I show the connections between, uh, you know, the FBI and the hijackers, as well as the FBI agents that tried to go after uh, bin Laden and how the money moved, the Saudi Arabians. So this is a, a much broader film. I mean, I also get into shadow government and continuity of government plans uh, like no other picture has before. A lot of people so still you- think that, you know, the shadow government doesn't exist when it's absolutely documented. So the entire film basically is, is it's a 9-11 film, but it's centered around the, the, the fact that 9-11 happened, um, and, and it also centers around the fact of the result of 9-11 happening, their continuity government plans that were in place beforehand, and how they're using 9-11 to implement those continuity of government plans. Is that correct? Well, sort of. I mean, a lot of people don't understand this, but the drills, I mean, uh, there's a chapter called Warnings and War Games, and then uh, other targets before the COG chapter, which is called uh, Continuity Government, and Continuity government was actually in place on 9-11. A lot of people don't realize that they say that in the minutes and hours after the attack, uh, you know, it was put into place. Now, it was ready to go on the morning of 9-11. Global Guardian had put five doomsday planes in the air that day, E-4Bs, which are military command centers for those in the line of succession of the continuity of government program. So are you those are those white planes, Jason? Absolutely. Are those serious white planes? Okay. The, that's right. Uh, the uh, white plane that was on the scene of the Pentagon as it got struck. Weird. You know, no mention of it in the 9-11 Commission report. They said they didn't have any military planes in the air that morning or anywhere close. A total and complete lie. They also tried to say that the exercises were stopped as soon as the attacks began. But, again, in this picture, uh, we were able to get the NORAD tapes. I believe it was last August, so about a year ago I got them. And, uh, no, the drills went on all morning. We play the clip after Flight 93 has already gone down where they literally have to call into Cheyenne Mountain and have them shut them off. And I only play about a a minute, maybe 90 seconds of that clip. Well, it takes another 15 to 20 minutes for them to shut down the war games. And this is after all of the uh, attacks have already occurred. So we show that. And then not only the white plane on the scene of the Pentagon, but a lot of people don't know, there was a white plane on the scene of the World Trade Center in the restricted airspace prior to the second plane hitting and then on the scene as the second plane struck the World Trade Center. And we show that as well. So, you know, it's it's really a much broader picture of what happened on 9-11. And I think it, it shows you uh, which individuals and which agencies really need to be questioned about the attacks. 
Yeah, That's you know, one of the things one of the things that we were throwing out, out around here uh, was the same thing that you just mentioned, how the continuity of government plan was in place. And I'm sure the um, the FEMA the, actually had their plans. So w- w- the question that I want to ask you, and, and maybe you can answer after the break, we're approaching a break here, but um, is is if the continuity of government's were, government plans were already in place, did they take over the media? Because we know the executive orders up in the 10,000s say that they can take over all modes of transportation, media. Media and basically mm-hmm. do whatever they want. Was the media taken over on 9-11? Were they reading off a, yes. a government script? Well, I would suspect absolutely. I think right after that first attack, uh, you know, the media was absolutely vetted in what they were allowed to do. There's only so much you can do with the live feeds. But as to what they were to be told and what to put out, I mean, there was one suspect that day, and his name is Osama bin Laden. There was nobody else. Yeah, yeah. and in addition to that, Jason, yes. I have some uh, clips that I got off of YouTube of the media and how they were already talking about the collapse from the plane fires thing. So when we get back, folks, more Jason Burmese in your call. Stay tuned, folks. AnimalFarmShow.com. Go to the Internet and watch Loose Chains. Farmshow.com. Thank you for joining us. We're talking to Jason Burmis, uh, of course, very, very popular in the community. And I you know with this whole new NIST report, we left off talking about the possible shadow government, uh, specifically talking about the FEMA executive order uh, 10995. And yes, so that, uh, just to state that, that allows the government to seize and control the communication media. Um, that's a very broad brought a executive order but that's what it means yeah and you know we this is very interesting because this opens up all kinds of possibilities about so many attacks on this country and when have they taken over the media it wasn't on 9-11 and of course jason you're still with us right absolutely okay yeah and and there were so many examples of how when you look back after knowing what we know now years later after all the research you you look back at some of the very early media reports and some of the early just media conversations interviews and some of them are just so strange that it's almost impossible that they could have been natural and i want to play one or, or actually there's three of them mm-hmm. and listen close to them we'll have jason comment on them and then i witnessed both towers collapse one first and then the second mostly due to structural failure because the fire was just too intense wow. now this this is a gun, <laughs> the, the, I don't wow. know, this is on youtube folks you it's harley it man I know exactly yeah. what clip that is. Yeah, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Jason. I mean, obviously, you're like a, a textbook, like a dictionary on the topic. But this guy, yeah, he's wearing like a Harley Davidson shirt, and he's being interviewed. I think this is right after the second plane. Obviously, hit. because yeah, this, of the structural this, integrity. This is right after the you know the, the buildings collapse, and this guy is like, you know, he, he doesn't seem like he's even phased at all that these two massive. And, and not only that, just, but check out, he has a press pass or some kind of a, a pass that gets him around around his neck. And number two, he talks about how he was on the scene of the towers collapsing. There's not an ounce of dust on the guy. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is absolutely true. And, then, you know, we're, we're talking about the biggest attack in American history on our soil. This guy's coming off like the friggin' mayor. Witness both towers collapse, one first and then the second, mostly due to structural failure because the fire was just too intense. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, listen, you know, scientists couldn't conclude that at that point because it just happened. But this guy obviously is so smart. So that that's the first example of, you know, wow, this is strange that this is all of a sudden there's the official story. And this just just happened. So that's example one. It uh, just won the velocity of the plane. And the fact that there were, you have a plane filled with fuel hitting that building, uh, 
that burned and you had that intense heat uh, probably weaken the structure as well. Yeah, and again, this is like, this is another story. I think this was a, a CBS. Right after the buildings collapsed, they get these experts on it all. You know, of course it must. Now, again, this is pretty a pretty trivial thing. Even to this day, we cannot necessarily conclude, or at least all agree, <laughs> and probably never will be, you know, over the, what the cause of the Twin Towers falling are. And now, you know, and then that's, that's example number two. And example number three is, I think, even worse. Uh, and I think it's still uh, two. Was uh, simply the uh, the planes hitting the buildings. Yeah. He's poised Here's to strike three. again. Immensely wealthy man uh, and a very private man. He has been uh, granted a safe haven by Afghanistan's ruling Taliban movement. Uh, and during his time in hiding, he has called for a holy war against the United States and specifically for the killing of Americans and Jews. Yeah, so, I mean, and that was talking about, of course, Osama bin Laden. I mean, and I never, I, Ben, I remember watching it in my yeah. dorm room, and I'm sitting there, and of course I was shocked because I was miles away from it. Um, but yeah, right off the bat, here's who did it, here are their names, look at their pictures. And, you know, at, at first I didn't think twice about it, but now you look back and you say, oh my God, they have this plan in the works right off the bat. And then that's why we talk about uh, the order here, 10995, the executive order, where they could just get the ability to take over the media. So, uh, oh my God. Jason, any other examples that we're missing? I'm I'm sure there are many. Well, I mean, the intro of my film is 9-11. It's only about a two-and-a-half, three-minute intro, but in that intro, about 30 seconds is just dedicated to everybody blaming bin Laden. They said things like they were 90% certain that day that he deployed 50 terrorists, and these are all talking heads like Tim Russert, Oliver North, uh, you know, the, the people you still see on television today, Tom Brokaw. And just to kind of slide back to COG, another thing I put in this movie that a lot of people aren't aware of is that this was all uh, in place back in the 40s and 50s, but it was revamped in the 80s when Reagan was president. And the person that headed that uh, revamping of the department through the National Programs Office George Bush Sr. was George Bush Sr. He headed Very the program. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> exactly. And uh, what's crazy about that is that Cheney's been in the line of succession since its inception. Okay, he was obviously put in charge, at least publicly through COG on that day. And uh, we have all sorts of evidence to back that up. He was in the bunker prior to the Pentagon strike. He it was joked about at a prime rib dinner. George Bush actually joked about it. That's in the film, how Dick Cheney had been running the country. And when he wasn't running the country out of a bunker, he was running it out of his suitcase. So I think people should keep that in mind uh, when you when you realize what the shadow government is. I mean, it's really upper echelon of the Bush administration that gives no care for the Constitution whatsoever. Yeah, but Jason, unfortunately, we have a long road to travel, my good friend, because people still think George Bush has been running this country for the last you know, seven, seven yeah. and a half years. People still George have a, you know, a long way to go before they can even even try to understand uh, who's really behind the, you know, the government and their actions. But um, you have a question there? Ben? I do. Yeah. yeah okay. one, of the, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and we learned this through Michael uh, Rupert's research, where uh, Major Don Arias was uh, the NORAD spokesperson. He talked to him about the military exercises that were happening to that day, uh, the multiple military exercises, and how they, uh, the possibility of them all being interconnected and linked and run by a quote-unquote maestro. Um, can you comment on that? You know, he says that it's Cheney. If I had found any real hard evidence of that, I mean, I'm not discrediting him, uh, but Rupert's attacked me as CIA disinfo before. I think he is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's a big peak oiler. So, I mean, I take everything with a grain of salt. If I could have found anything that said to me, you know, Dick Cheney was in charge of the whole thing. I obviously would have presented it. Uh, instead, I present things like, well, there were more targets that morning, okay? I, I, there was a list that circulated before the attacks 
uh, that Dave Mitchell, the uh, Maryland uh, police chief, got and contacted uh, Paris Glendening, the governor of Maryland at the time, where there were 11 targets. And by the time he had been contacted, the Pentagon and World Trade Center had already been hit, and those were, of course, on the list. Uh, so was the World Trade Center in Baltimore. So was the Sears Tower. So it seems like there was definitely more going on. I mean, I think that's why they had all these false blips in the air. They had all these other planes that they thought were hijacked, such as Delta 1989 supposedly had a bomb on board. They followed another hijacking out of Alaskan airspace, uh, which came through Canada. But the really funny thing is they're following all these planes that actually have the hijack codes put in. Well, we know that the four planes that supposedly were used in the attacks never put those hijack codes in. So, you know, in this film, we're taking a look at a lot of things that have kind of flown under the radar in, I guess, the main line of the uh, 9-11 Truth Movement. And I want to let everybody know that it's going to launch uh, a little bit early over at PrisonPlanet.tv, and the encodes look great. Like, ever since I've gotten down here, one of my big things is, uh, is ripping stuff for the web. And, uh, you know, these are DVD quality. DivX is, like, my best friend. And I can't <laughs> wait for it to drop, man. I, I'm very excited to, to see what people have to say about it. Uh, you know, I just... Uh, gave a pre-copy to uh, Dylan and Corey, and Dylan enjoyed it. He was kind of surprised, taken aback uh, by some of the information he didn't even know. So I, I think it's going to be a, you know, a great add-on for the truth movement and maybe be able to bring in some more new people the way Loose Change brought new people in. Sure, yeah, Jason, well, hey, listen, I, I feel the, uh, the joy, too. I mean, the video codecs that are coming out today and, and the technology, how fast it's growing uh, between DivX and the QuickTime and H.264, it's great. And it yeah, really, it's magical. It, it really does. It. It, it, it just enables us and, and just anybody, for that matter, to use the Internet that much more effectively because now video is getting so much better in quality. Before you know it, it's all going to be uh, huge HD. So, um, you know, that I'm being, so excited. Yeah, I'm excited, too. And we're all, <laughs> listen, Jason, we're all anticipating it. And, and for all, you know, by all means, we'll definitely promote it on the show. But I did want before this break, we only got about a minute and 15 seconds, but I wanted to ask you just quickly about the BBC reporting that Building 7, the Salomon Brothers building, had fallen before it actually fell, and we saw the live feed. What are your thoughts on that in less than 50 seconds? Sure. Uh, you know, I called it from the very beginning. I didn't think the BBC was in on some conspiracy. I said, hey, someone put this out over an AP wire too early. They picked it up along with, you know, CNN, and then they broadcasted this fact. I think the real damning thing is that, is that they gave the official version 30 minutes before the building fell. They said due to uh, structural damage and fire, this building came down, and that was towing the line for the last seven years until today. Yeah, and this is another reason why, Jason, this is another reason why this new NIST report just gets me that much more heated, because they're talking about the scientific evidence, which, of course, is, is part of the problem and a very big part. But we have to start talking about the media, about Silverstein, about all of the other things, about the countdown, about all the other things that really need an answer. So, mm -hmm. folks, we'll get your phone calls, 512-646-1984. When we return with Jason Burmis, much more on the farm. Stay tuned, folks. We shall return. Now, throw the switch and let us begin the battle for the planet. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Animal Farm, broadcasting on the We the People radio network. If you'd like to give us a call or talk to Jason Burmis, 512-646-1984. We are 
talking to Jason Smiley Face Burmist. <laughs> yes, and I do know why they call you uh, Smiley Face there, Burmist, because I was watching the Prison Planet TV uh, stream today, and you just had a permanent smile. It, it, it looked like you. It looked guy. like you took like five ecstasy pills. <laughs> you know, it's because Jones is always cracking jokes like under the camera and stuff, and he's like, they're like showing me. I can hear you off air commentary, calling me Burmy. And dude, I, you know. I got nothing but love in my heart. You know, this stuff is some pretty trying information, and I've been doing this, you know, before even Loose Change since 2002, about six months after 9-11, and I just can't get down, man. I can't change. I, I want to get this to people so that they can have this as a part of their lives so they know what's going on so that maybe we have a chance at restoring the Constitution and Bill of Rights and maybe have some responsi personal responsibility among ourselves as people to bring yeah. these people to justice. You know what I'm saying? And no, I, Jason, I agree 100%. And yeah. that's why we joke around a lot on the show, too, because it's like you can't really, you get dragged down by this type of information. It's such a depressing thing once you think about it. So we do a lot of joking on this show to, to keep our spirits up. Um, and that's yeah. why I'm glad I'm on this show. Like, uh, you know, I've been in Austin now since mid-April, and I've caught you guys several times, and I don't listen particularly to it, uh, a lot of Patriot Radio. Obviously, Alex, I listen to Jack sometimes. But I love you guys. I I thought you guys were really talented. I, I like the sound effects. You guys definitely have a lot of uh, production value on your show, and you're talking about the real Thank deal. Thank you. Yeah, no well, problem. Yeah, and, and just just to add, <laughs> yeah, and just to add too, I, I think it's so important to just like you said, uh, Jason, just keep keep the love in your heart because this obviously is such it, the information is so terrible, and you know, when you dig deep, especially with some of the police state news, you just hear about such terrible stories and you, you got to keep your chin up because otherwise you go nuts and then you start becoming a real pain in the ass so we'll go i think i think i think we got jonesy on the air alex you there yeah he, he was just on there okay. oh was he we'll, we'll get yeah, i think he just called in oh, hopefully we'll get him back we'll go go to the phones again hopefully with more success ted in texas you're on the animal farm what's up ted okay i think he dropped off alex are you there <laughs> yeah, you this, is alex, alex. this is alex jones can you hear me what's up alex how are you Good. I just wanted to call in and say, you know, Burmy <laughs> is, is, is going to be leaving us next week. And I really, I always like Jason. I've known him for a few years, but I really like him. He's been with us five months in the office. He said, hey, I want you guys to help me. And this film idea I have, I just want to say that Fabled Enemies really is an amazing thing. risk covering the issues that we uh, cover, myself producing and Burma's of course, uh, being the director and uh, there in the office, those guys too that have made it all possible. It's a very groundbreaking film, and it will be coming out in ten days. People can get the DVD pre-ordered, and it'll ship out to them first at Infowars.com right now or PrisonPlanet.tv. But I just wanted to say that earlier, Burmis is walking around the office saying, "I'm on the air. I dialed in. I'm on We the People." They don't hear me, so he's talking. I come in and start, no, they can hear you, so I start joking. I guess on Skype, when somebody else talks, because we're on Skype, that you can't hear them. So then I start going, hello, pig farm, hello, pig farm, and then start teasing you guys, and you guys don't even know this happened. So for about a minute, I was sitting there joking around, but I was also going with the spirit of the show. But, no, you know, I uh, drive around and a few days a week, tune in, and uh, here you guys, and I really do enjoy the show. I think I think you're the best show on your little internet network there. And uh, I just really do like you guys. And you're right, we do need to bring some levity to this. In fact, on my own show, I, I'm really a person that screws around in private. I look pretty serious on my normal show. I sound pretty serious. 
But, uh, you know, we were screwing around some today, and I realized, wait a minute, we're talking about the government blowing up Building 7, and then I was talking about anthrax attacks, and I was screwing around. But, you know, you got to have some fun with this. And uh, so I just called in to say that Fable Enemies is a very important film, and I really want everybody to help us promote it because, uh, you know, we put them all out for free. Right now on PrisonPlanet.com, we have posted uh, Truth Rising for free. And, and frankly, the, the film's losing money, and we're not really selling any of the DVDs. It's about getting it out. But Burmus needs the financial support so he can go on and make more films. And I hope that people will, because I find everything I'm doing with advertising and other things. Uh, but uh, I just hope that everybody will support Jason and what he's done with Fabled Enemies because he's done so much in the Loose Change you know, uh, group and you know, really hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. And so uh, you know, that's why I'm fully behind Burmy. And I'm just going to let you guys go. It's good talking to you. But driving down the road, I sure enjoy uh, listening to you, and uh, it's just uh, mainly I wanted to call and see you all later for the rebroadcast with me popping in like some madman. I was there in studio with Burmas. <laughs> yeah, well, we did We did actually receive a couple instant messages from people saying that you were uh, talking on, on, on the air over us and were joking about some stuff. So we did get reports of that. We couldn't hear from on the end, on, on our end, but this, this whole station is plagued with technical problems it's it's actually hard to do <laughs> well, anything even we, get your intro played correctly we've, so. yeah we've and we've Thank learned you. to deal with it but on top of it first of all alex thanks for the compliment it obviously it really does mean a lot and we appreciate your show and and on top of that um yeah i think the way it works is that we see when you're going in through skype if it is a, a direct line the isdn line we actually have to accept it and then you're on the air permanently i think ah, okay. that's the way it works but i want to keep it going uh and i want to get back to the phones ted in texas we'll try again ted are you on the air hello Yes, sir. Um, I really do enjoy your shows, guys. It really is. It does does make me laugh and stuff. And uh, enjoy your bumper music too. I did go out and buy that Panda Bear album. And if you put some put some links up on your site to what your other bumper music is, I'd be interested in that. But uh, I want um, to to know some talking points that I can discuss with my friends about building. So could you go over a couple of talking points? Jason can do it. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, sure thing. Um, First talking point is that this building was one of the most reinforced buildings of all time. It was supposed to be able to uh, survive a 10-year hurricane or storm because, again, natural disasters were taken into account with this command center. On top of that, you have to know, again, this is the largest CIA base outside of Langley, Virginia, and the largest Secret Service office in the world. When this building came down, the FBI was ordered by the CIA to take command posts at the top of other buildings with binoculars to make sure that uh, rescue workers and recovery workers did not take anything that was classified out of there, didn't take anything incriminating out of there. They controlled the crime scene from the very beginning. And the most irrefutable thing about Seven is the fact that it had hot spots and molten metal underneath it which would be impossible from jet fuel or office fires, and so much so that when we confronted John Gross of NIST about this in Loose Change Final Cut, he had to deny the existence of the molten metal altogether. And right after that, we play the clips of people talking about the molten metal from you know Ken Holden before FEMA to firefighters that were on the scene. So there are a few talking points for you, my friend. Um, I read part of their, I think, the press release or somebody sent me something over the email, and they said some crucial beam got heated up by the fire, and it broke free of another support beam on the 13th floor. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're saying it made everything pancake again. Yeah, well, what they're saying is that it expanded the metal. The metal then uh, 
it was no longer able to support the above weight, and then global collapse ensues, basically. I mean, this, this term global collapse had never been used before in the scientific community before these NIST reports that are so fraudulent that a 10-year-old who's taken one physics course can see right through them. Yeah, on top of that, I want to add one thing, Jason. What about the countdown? If this NIST report has anything truthful to it, how could it have collapsed from fire weakening or expanding some kind of wacky beam that the whole building was built on, yet there was a countdown to the collapse? So how could they possibly have known when, at what point, the building was going to collapse from this amazing, perfect fire? And there were not that many fires. Every photo shows a couple of small fires. So it, this just, unfortunately, it's so easily debunked. But uh, go, go on, Jason. Fire. Sorry. Fire. Yeah, fire. I, I mean, they can say fire till the cows come home. And, you know, the reason they're not going to mention that countdown is the same reason they're not going to mention Barry Jennings or uh, Michael Hess being inside that building. Because if they were to actually interview those eyewitnesses, uh, then the testimony would be different and they'd be forced to tell the truth. But since we didn't have an open forum or a public hearing with these people testifying, say, on C-SPAN, uh, we only have these records because we've uh, brought them up from 9-11-01 news themselves. And then, you know, Dylan and I were lucky enough to hunt down Barry Jennings and get an interview with him before his testimony was tainted by the BBC. And I would like to note that in that BBC special, he told uh, the same exact story minus one detail, and the BBC so heavily edited it that they actually did a, uh, a reenactment where Barry Jennings was alone when he witnessed these explosions. And they, they manipulate the whole timeline. They make it seem that he was the only one there when we all know he was with Michael Hess. And then they, the only thing he recanted on was the dead bodies in the lobby. And I can only say that he probably recanted on that because someone said, hey, man, I'd hate to see you lose your job. You know, we can't be having dead bodies in these lobby. That, that messes up the whole report. So, you know, yeah, every, everything else you said, okay, but we can't get around that one. Yeah, Ted, Ted thanks for the call. We have a break coming up. And it's just, it's just one of you know, thousands of thousands of smoking guns with 9-11 as far as government involvement at the very least. So, folks, we get back more of your phone calls. Jason Burmis on the Animal Farm Radio Show. Stay tuned. We shout with you. You are listening to the Animal Farm on the We the People radio network. Number to call in, 512-646-1984. Uh, we are talking to Jason Burmeson. I do. I, 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 I want to say something. Wait, let, me, let me say something. Go ahead. Burmy, you're doing a heck of a job. You're doing a heck of a job, Burmy. <laughs> you're doing a heck of a job. Well, oh, thanks, man. Well, yeah, I mean, no, really, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, you guys have obviously broken so much ground, and we certainly wouldn't be where we are today if it hadn't been for loose change and just the huge success following that. But, you know, and I want to continue to talk about action. You know, we, we I think we hit upon something real important before, and I, I do, I'll play the Silverstein clip just for people in case they haven't heard it 150,000 yes, times. What right. we do on the show is we pretend that nobody has ever heard this stuff before, so we play it as if it's it's a brand new thing for people listening. Yeah, yeah. just in case no one's heard it, you know, this whole new NIST report, I want to play the the, the the documentary uh, America Rebuilds, correct? That's the name of it? Yes. Uh, where Silverstein basically admitted that he gave an order to pull Building 7 and then they watched it collapse. Listen to this and then we'll comment and I have a couple ideas. World Trade Center 7 had always been considered the starting point for rebuilding. Located north of the slurry wall, 7 had been cleared faster than the rest of the site. And there had been no bodies to recover. 
by debris when the North Tower collapsed. Seven burned until late afternoon, allowing occupants to evacuate to safety. I remember getting a call from the uh, fire department commander telling me that they were not sure they were going to be able to contain the fire. I said, you know, we've had such terrible loss of life. Maybe the smartest thing to do is, is pull it. Uh, and they made that decision to pull, and then we watched the building collapse. Okay, so there's the obvious clip, and of course afterwards you hear about how they, how they pulled six and how pull really needs to demolish. So we've been over this a hundred times, and I mean, it's so sad. I actually talked to a denier once, and I showed him this clip, and he couldn't explain it, so he just said that they dubbed the voice in, that he wasn't actually saying that. So <laughs> it, it, it gets ridiculous lengths, and Jason, I'm sure you have your, your much greater stories than I do, or I ever could for that matter, but I'll, I'll say one thing. Now that this new report came out, what I would say, maybe what I'll try to do because we do have pretty great video capability here at the animal farm maybe i'll start coming out with maybe like the top five or top ten things to know about building seven other than what this news report is talking about for example the countdown the bbc report like we just heard with the silverstein thing mm -hmm. there's just way too many other questions besides just the structural and the physical damage part of the collapse so you know maybe it's time to get on the, the horse there and start getting another viral video going this way people cannot consider this whole subject debunked because once they do then the whole 9-11 conspiracy theories go out the window. Your thoughts, Jason? Well, first of all, Larry Silverstein saying that he uh, made the decision to pull, uh, he later backtracked and said, well, that meant pull the firefighters out. But then we yeah. find out that that comment right. came in late afternoon and all the firefighters were gone. Now, if you watch that disgusting BBC piece that came on, uh, Chief Daniel Nigro, when he was asked about the pullet comment, he said, look, uh, Larry Silverstein would have never had any authority to make any decision on what I did with my firefighters. So even Nigro disagrees with Larry Silverstein's uh, explanation of the pullet comment. You know, anybody with half a brain can figure out he, he slipped up. He talked about the, demo the, uh, the deliberate demolishing of that building, and he was well aware of it. You know, that guy's hands are dirty, period. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, I'm but Jason, I want to I want to get I'm your thoughts. I yeah, I miss you should be embarrassed, but I want to get your thoughts too, Jason. And then one other thing that's come up that basically has turned me uh, almost to vomit is when people say, well, they always put these buildings up with demolitions already in them. So in case they ever have to bring them down. So the idea is, oh, well, these, you know, these demolitions uh, charges were planted, you know, years and years ago, because that's what they do with all federal buildings. Jason, have you have you heard that or can you comment on that? Yeah, you know, I've heard. It. I mean, show me some evidence for it. I mean, is it a possibility? Sure. Is it a probability? Sure. Probably not. You know, I mean, it's it's absolutely possible. But I want to know why you think that you would uh, rig a building up to be demolished with you know high level explosives. Just say something else went wrong. What if a you know what if a diesel fuel oil tank does explode? What if exactly. the power goes out? Or what if you have a uh, an energy burst? You know, you could ha you could set one of these explosives off by accident. So I you know that really doesn't fly with me. It really looks like me. If there was a contingency plan and they were built with explosives already in them, well, it was done by our intelligence agencies because they were the the main residents of those buildings. Yeah, no doubt. 512-646-1984. Folks, if you want to talk to Jason Burmis, you only have about six minutes and 40 seconds left for the show. And, uh, of course, we can talk about the subject to a blue in the face and, and only scratch the surface of the entire day. And, I mean, look, Jason, I mean, you're the last person I have to tell, but just with the Pentagon and then with Flight 93 and all the other questions that are uh, that need to be answered, frankly, and need, needed to be answered the day afterwards and still to this day have not been answered. It just seems like we may never really get the, the full story or at least be able to agree on the actual 
actual cause and effect of these events. So, um, you know, anything else in the future? Any other plans to uncover more about 9-11, or is it just uh, well, more movies? You know, I mean, uh, my next movie, hopefully, is going to be a project I've been planning on doing for quite a while now called Invisible Empire Beyond the Veil. And really, I want this to be the definitive New World Order movie. I've gone through a lot of the archives and I have a ton of Q-list footage. It's probably going to cost me anywhere between five and ten grand to get it, but you name it, I've got them on camera referring to the New World Order, you know, the one that doesn't exist, and we're talking, you know, the Bushes, the Clintons, Jesse Jackson, um, I've got Bohemian Grove footage from 1981, uh, they have the annal here, they have the list of names. I found Willie Brown in the annals here the other day. Really? Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Back in 93, he was up there speaking. And uh, we all know that Willie Brown got that low-key warning, tried to deny yep. it on camera, and then the guy presented the article. <laughs> and he's like, he just didn't want to talk about it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I need to put out a movie um, that does for global government, a.k.a. the New World Order, what Loose Change did for 9-11, at least to create some kind of a public awareness so that when I bring up the term New World Order, I'm not just immediately discredited. I mean, you can have the Georgian president go on Glenn Beck and literally say that Russia is against the New World Order. And you can have Gordon Brown, you know, the head of the U.K., go on numerous television shows uh, before and after him uh, being elected saying, you know, we, we've got to be part of this New World Order and we need the United Kingdom to be strong in this New World Order. And people will still deny that the term means anything. It is about globalization. It is about these elite power brokers uh, gaining more and more control over our lives. And I just got to expose it, man. I don't want to grow up in this slave-like technocracy. You know, it's not cool. Yeah, and I, mean, I think that's the reason why we all do what we do and yeah. uh, we try to put the information out there. I mean, we, we all know that we have Bush 41 in his presidential speech basically talking about the New World Order, George saying it by, by word. So I've, I've never actually heard anybody deny the existence of a New World Order. I'd probably I'd probably uh, piss my pants if I heard that. Well, but, you know, Bush Senior, that, but... on, on September 11th, Bush Sr. said it. He's his own words. We could start a new, yeah. new World Order. We have it in the beginning of our show. <laughs> yeah, but I do think, you know, the, the movie that woke me up and I think uh, woke you up uh, the same was the um, the 9-11 movie movie that Alex Jones came out Martial with. Martial Law? Uh, no, it wasn't Martial Law. It was uh, 9-11 Road, Road to Tyranny, which was uh, utterly disturbing and introduced me yeah. to the New World Order and, and all the things about 9-11 and Oklahoma City and the false flag attacks. So it, it, it'd be great to get another uh, one of these movies. And, and you're going to start working on that after this one or depending uh, on this? I am done with this one. I mean, I've been wrapped up now for about two weeks. It's all about encoding and making sure that the discs are checked and everything else. And I'd actually started the New World Order film uh, before this movie. I was just making an extras disc uh, for Loose Change Final Cut in the beginning, but I had had so much stuff that Jones convinced me to put it into a narrative, and then he brought me out here to make it. You know, without him, this film probably wouldn't have been made. It probably would just be an extras disc that had half the information, wasn't put into a narrative-type situation. Uh, but now that I've done this one, it's full steam ahead on the next one. Like I said, I've already collected a lot of footage. I just have to pay for a lot more of it. <laughs> and then I have to, uh, you know, edit it down and write a script, man. Yeah. Folks, we are talking to Jason Burmis. Um, his new film that's coming out, Fabled Enemies, um, is, is supposedly going to be, be great. should be coming out, uh, well, within 10 days is when it's scheduled, but probably beforehand. Jason, let us know if we can do anything to help you pimp this film, if we can um, put some type of affiliate program together or anything to... Uh, to help you uh, sell this film, it seems like a very important film, and uh, just by looking at the trailers, contains more information than than 
I even know about and, uh, you know, new things that I hadn't even heard to begin with. So I'm looking forward to it a lot. Awesome, man. You know, that's what it's about. It's, it's hopefully going to be able to bring new people in and still going to be uh, very lively for those that are aware of the issues. You know, it brings up a ton of things from, you know, United 23 that nobody ever talks about. And for those that don't know, that's the other plane that should have been hijacked that day where four guys got on the plane, refused to get off. And then when they did get off, they left their luggage, and lo and behold, their luggage contained the same thing that Magical Muhammad Atta's luggage contained. Uh, Korans, uh, yeah, all these, all these crazy flight manuals. And guess what? The FBI just couldn't find out who it was because they used false identification. What do you know? Yeah. What a coincidence. I tell you, talk about a day of coincidence. It's unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. One more time, Jason, just just uh, tell us where we can see the film. One more time, pimp it out, and then we're going to let you go. All right, man. You can go to Infowars.com and order it right now. We're taking pre-orders. They'll ship out on September 1st. And, of course, you can watch it in DVD quality. you got a nice Philips uh, DVD player that plays DivX. I pimped the Philips ones because they have the little USB thing. They play almost every file format. You could just download it on August 31st when we launch it throw it right on the DVD player and show it to all your friends. So it's a very exciting time. We can get this information out quicker than ever, and I hope everybody does that. That's great. Jason, thanks so much oh, for joining us. Tips, white women and black men. <laughs> and, and for sure, Jason, we're going to definitely have to have you back on after we see the film, and we'll get some uh, some clips together. We'll really kind of dissect it. So great work, yes. as always. Thanks so much for joining us on the farm, and we'll definitely speak to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. Take care, Jason. Later. Once again, Jason Burmis, so glad he can join us tonight. And uh, unfortunately, folks, no power segment, but nope. uh, next Tuesday we'll be back on the air, same time, same place, and I think we'll get into some serious health news. We've got some FDA news and more drugs now by Torn possibly linking to cancer. And nice. we got to talk about this. The power segment is not happening. We've got to talk segment. about these things, folks, because unfortunately, you know, my parents are on these types of meds. My grandmother's on these types of meds. we got to get this information out. But no time now, folks. For Ben, for Pyeth, I'm Tony Pack saying thanks for listening and dissent in your government is as American as apple pie. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Have a great night. Good show. Stop.